This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. And tonight we're going to be talking about the title of the message is B-I-B-L-E. Bible, B-I-B-L-E. And there's an acronym that I heard years ago that goes with this. Bible, Basic Instruction Before Leaving Earth. B-I-B-L-E, basic instruction before leaving earth. How many know what our mission statement is at High Desert Word Center? Equipping God's people for victorious Christian living. Equipping God's people for victorious Christian living. And that's not just some nice thing that we have. Way back in the early 90s when we pioneered our first church and pastored it, uh, we spent, we spent probably I know about two solid weeks to define what we were really about. Had a lady that was a, I guess you'd call her, she's a pastor in Florida now, but she was like a guru at the Word of Faith circles to help spiritual leaders get direction for their churches. So she came to our church, and we spent two weeks to really determine what it was God had in our hearts we wanted to accomplish. And how many know there's different churches do different things? Some churches are totally focused on missions. About everything they do is missions, going overseas, going to other countries. And then you got some churches that are really out to, to, to feed the hunger of the community. That's their primary thing. They want to go out to the streets and, 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 and work with people on the streets. There's some churches that want to work with unwed mothers, want to help ladies keep their babies and take care of them and get them started in life. And so all those things are very, very, very of God. But God put a strong teaching ministry, teaching gifts in us. And so we determined that God's purpose for our ministry was to equip God's people for victorious Christian living. And by doing that, all the people that sit under our ministry are equipped to work the streets and work with the homeless. The people sit under this word are equipped to help unwed mothers and help do those things. People that come to a church like this, they're equipped to go overseas, to go into missions. And so in other words... Our primary, number one goal is to teach the Word of God strong but simple. And, you know, I, 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 didn't, I didn't realize part of what we do till somebody come to church a few years ago. I can't remember who it was. They may not have come here long. But I remember there was a man sitting over there, come here for a while, and he shook my hand one day, wouldn't let loose. He looked me in the eye and said, Pastor, I want to tell you something. He said, what you teach... It's like I've never heard before, because you take the responsibility of my life off of God and put it on me. Said, I always thought that God was in control to make everything happen in my life, and I found out that God's in control if I obey what He shows me to do for the Word, then God's able to do what He wants to do in my life. And so I realized, yeah, that's how we equip people. We show you choices but show you the right choices to make. And then show you how the Holy Spirit will give you the power to do that. Amen. You know, I learned years ago that God will never tell us anything to do that He doesn't give us the ability to do it and the means to do it. And, you know, you think about tithing. That's what God said on His end. He said, I want to be able to rebuke the devourer for you. 
He said, I want to open the windows of heaven where you live in the blessings of God. He said, I want people to see you and call you blessed. And he said, your only part is, says, just let loose of the love of money and give me 10% of everything you get. And God said, because of that, says, you're going to be some blessed people are going to see you and know it. And then what he says in that passage, Malachi is this, said, if you keep 100%, there's no blessing on it. He said, but if you keep 90%, give me 10, your 90% will be blessed and do a whole lot more than an unblessed 100%. Amen? And so that's how God works. He does things. So tonight, talking about basic instruction before living, leaving earth, we're living in the last days. And as I said when I was praying, right now, I'm not, I'm not out there in the world like most of you are. You're out there around a lot of people I don't see. I'm isolated on my little farm up there and come to church and do a few things. I'm not in the workforce anymore. I was a truck driver for 28 years. And so I know what it's like to be out there around people that don't love Jesus. And that was a lot of years ago when I was out there doing that. And from what I can see on news things and the things I see on the Internet, which I don't feed on the news or the Internet much at all, but all I have to do is glance at it. And I can tell you right now, it's a whole lot worse than it was when I was out there. But glory to God. Our light can shine brighter than that darkness. Amen. And that's what we want to look at tonight. I want you to look at Isaiah chapter 46. Amen. Isaiah chapter 46, verse 9 and verse 10. And uh, a subtitle for what I'm talking about tonight would be God's counsel for all believers in 2021. God's counsel for all believers in 2021 which is basic instruction before leaving earth for that acronym. But Isaiah 46, verse 9 and 10. I I just want to ask a question just for yourself. And just, it's kind of nice to think about. How many here really believe that God is real? How many believe that God really knows who you are as an individual? He really knows you. He knows everything about you. He knew you before you were born. God even knows the very second that you're going to go into eternity. God knows the job you work at. God knows the car you drive. God knows what kind of deodorant you use. No, no, I'm I'm serious what I'm talking about. And so there's no reason with all this hatred and deception and ugliness going on that you should ever be overcome with depression about the world. I think about Jesus' very last prayer he prayed for us in John 17. Jesus said, Father, he said they're in the world, but they're not of this world. And then Paul said in Philippians, our citizenship is in heaven. We're down here on earth, and it just so happens where we are, we live in the United States of America. But it doesn't make any difference what nation that a person lives in, God knows them. Everything about them. And so, I plan on living in the United States for at least 85 years. Then I get to be 85 years old, if I want to keep living here, then I will. And if I decide I want to go to heaven, I'm going to go to heaven then at 85 or older. But then, my real citizenship will be forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. So why should I get all goofed up and depressed about what goes on in the United States. This is just short term. 
That's long term. But because I'm a born again Christian, and I know John 10.10, that the will of God is for us to have and enjoy life in abundance to the fold till it overflows, and I know that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, then I know that I've got an assignment from God to do my part to change the United States of America to be more like heaven. Jesus said, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He said, Pray the will of God be done. Well, you don't have rights in heaven. One being tried to have a right in heaven. His name was Lucifer. God said, Nope, out of here. And then he came down to the Garden of Eden, tried insurrection of the Garden of Eden, and God said, Nope, out of here. Amen. God kicked him out, and then he gave authority to us and told us we're supposed to control things on earth till Jesus comes back. And so, I'm not all concerned and overwhelmed with fear, grief, or any of those things about what's going on, because I know this is short term for me, but I do know this. I'm not going to ignore what's going on in the spirit. I'll do all I know to do it. Anything the natural God tells me to do, I'll do. And I know my number one thing I can do is teach the Bible to people. Show you what to do so you won't be overcome by fear and grief and worry about what about tomorrow? What about tomorrow? Well, let's look here at Isaiah and let's see about tomorrow. Isaiah 46, verse 9 and verse 10. He says, remember the former things of old, for I am God. There's none else. I am God, and there's none like me. Now, I want to tell you what. There's only one person that can brag on himself and not be in trouble. That's God. I can't brag on me and say, hey, what? You know what? There's not a pastor like me. Oh, man, I'm the great one. I can't do that. I'll be in serious trouble. But God can say, I'm God. And there's none else. There's none like me. God can say that because he's not bragging. He just tells you what really is. He said, there's none like me. And then look at this. This is what we're going to focus on tonight. Declaring the end from the beginning. Declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand. I will do all my pleasure. And I want to tell you something about that. Uh, we were just back in Indiana, and we were back there in the month of May, and we were back there when the 500-mile race ran. I didn't even think of anything about the race. I never was in the races. I lived there 54 years. Never was in it. But that was the first major race in the history of mankind, the Indianapolis 500. And I lived not too far from where that race took place every month. I never even ever went to it. But anyway, I remember when I was reading this verse years ago, the Lord just spoke this to me just as plain as could be. I was reading that verse there. He said, I declare the end from the beginning. He said, I'm God, nobody like me. He said, I already know who won the race. I said, wow. He said, I already know who won. And I, I, he just he awed me when the Spirit of God said that to me so plain. Then you know what he said next? He said, matter of fact, I already know who won the World Series this year. <laughs> I thought, wow. He said, you know what else? I said, what? He said, I know who won the Super Bowl next year. Why should we be goofed up about life when God already knows what's ahead? You know, I think about the story. I heard about the little boy riding on the train by himself, a little kid, maybe a 10-year-old kid, riding on a train by himself, nobody with him. And some guy said, hey, little boy, aren't you afraid to be by yourself? He said, no, I'm not afraid. He said, why? He said, my daddy's the engineer. 
I know where we're going. My dad's control of the train. And so why should we be, you know, God wants to get this across to you. Quit feeding on so much darkness that's out there. All it's going to do is overwhelm you. Feed on the things that God has to say, and then you're going to be able to do something for God of some significance. Now, I want you to look at chapter 48, verse 5. Keep in mind that God said, my counsel shall stand. My counsel shall stand. Chapter 48, verse 5, says this. I have even from the beginning declared it to thee. Before it came to pass, I showed it thee. Before it came to pass, I showed it to thee. Now we're going to look at some things in the New Testament in a minute too. But the thing is, God saw 2021, every nation of the world, in this year, a long time ago. God saw the United States a long time ago. And you know, I just, you know, I don't know what else to say, but God's not a Democrat. And he's not a Republican. God's God. Amen. And so if God's in power in your life, what difference it makes who's, who's in power over the country? If you dwell the secret place of the Most High, what difference does it make who's making the rules out there? If you already know right here in the Bible, God said, my counsel shall stand. Unless your favorite person doesn't get in, then that takes care of my counsel. It's no good anymore. No, it doesn't make any difference what nation you live in, who your king is, who your president is, who your leaders are. If you're living in the secret place of the Most High, then your God will give you counsel to show you what to do to make it safely through. And, you know, I was thinking as a worshiper God, what does counsel mean? Well, if I were in my office and people come in for marriage counsel or financial counsel, or they had a serious health diagnosis and wanted prayer, wanted some counsel about what to do to make it through, what would counsel be? I would give them a plan for their marriage, for their finances. I'd give them some wisdom. I'd give them some direction. I'd give them some goals. I'd give them a target to head for. I'd show them what to do step by step to get things turned around for what they came in for counsel for. And so God here, he's talking, then he's talking about the future. And then he says, before it happened, I told you. And then he said, my counsel will stand. Amen. That's what he said. And so, how many would agree that God is awesome? Amen. Let's say that. Let's say that. God is awesome. And I want to say this again. God can brag on himself because he's God. Amen. I mean, somebody that can tell me something about my life before I was even born, and tell me what the future holds before it even gets here. I like that. So anyway, he said, my counsel shall stand. And so his counsel comes through the Bible and the Holy Spirit through spiritual leaders that he raises up. And then also to you and me as individual believers, when we choose, now listen to this, Everything in our Christian faith is a choice day by day. We choose to walk in love and turn the other cheek or not. We choose when we get paid to tithe or not. 
We choose, uh, if sickness hits us, to resist the devil, submit to God, and seek healing from him, first of all, before we go to doctors. Look to him first every day. It's always a choice. And so God's counsel for us will be very real if we as individuals choose to dedicate and consecrate ourselves to not just be a church member, but to be a disciple. To be a disciple. What's a disciple? Well, when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and the Johns, that's the ones that looked to Jesus and they called him Lord. They called him Master. They called him their teacher. And so, if you're a disciple of Jesus, you don't get that job just because it pays more money. You get that job because you check with Lord. And the Lord said to your heart, I want you to get that job. Or maybe the Lord said, nope, I want you to stay where you are. But Lord, I'm making $2 an hour less where I am. Well, if he's Lord, you stay where you are for $2 an hour less. Because that's where the blessing is. Amen? If he's Lord, he tells you where to go to church at. If he's Lord, he tells you how to serve in the church, if he's Lord. And so that's what I'm talking about. You receive God's counsel very clearly when you move from being a church member to being a disciple. It said, Jesus, wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, whatever you want me to be, that's what I'll be. I'll do it. I'll say it. Lord, just so I know that it's pleasing you. I, I remember when I got that pretty blonde-headed thing sitting there on the front row. You know, I, exactly parts of the prayer. I'm going to tell you how I prayed for a wife. But parts of the prayer that I prayed, I wouldn't pray anymore. I said, I said back then, I said, Lord, I said, I want a wife that, number one, loves you. I said, I don't care if she's black. I don't care if she's white. I don't care if she's tall. I don't care if she's short. I don't care if she's fat. I don't care if she's skinny. I said, the main thing is, on the inside, I want her to be somebody that's sold out to you. And so I would modify that prayer now. I'd say, give me a good look of a two like Janice. <laughs> and so I'm glad, I'm glad I didn't get something else. But anyway, what I'm saying is this. That's because I knew at one time before I knew Jesus, I made a choice for a wife, and it wasn't the right one. And it wasn't good. I'm not saying she was a bad woman. We just shouldn't have been married to each other. Because it was a bad choice because Jesus wasn't Lord of my life. But if you let Jesus be Lord of your life, then you'll be able to receive that counsel from heaven. And so anyway, I want you to look at Isaiah chapter 60. The first two verses. And as we look at these things, keep in mind that God declared for the last days what his counsel for believers would be believers that believe in Jesus, what it would be as he tells about the last days. So here's Isaiah 60, verse 1 and verse 2. He says this, his counsel, Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. Now listen to this. God tell this all those years going by, For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. Gross darkness. Not just darkness, gross darkness, the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. And so, God's counsel for the last days, he told us it's going to be gross darkness. Not just darkness, gross darkness. But we, as born-again Christians, are to allow the glory on our inside to shine through to the outside. 
What's on the inside? And you know, Paul in Second Corinthians chapter three said that that Moses had this glory on the outside, and he shone. But he said we've got this glory in earthen vessels, which is our earth suits. And we've got it on the inside, where the, the glory of Christ is in us. And it says we're supposed to arise, let that shine, so that people living in gross darkness will see Jesus in us, and then they'll see the way to get free from their captivity. Do you know that every time you give a testimony, and I'm not just talking testimonies in church, when you're out there in the world and these people are overcome by drugs, alcohol, pornography, meanness, evil, and ugliness, when you tell them, you know what, I used to have that same problem. And they say, really, you? Well, you're the most nicest person I've ever known. Then you tell them, I wasn't always nice like this. I used to have a terrible life. Those things, those things were eating my life up like you, and I was going to die young before my time. If I didn't get out of that, Jesus Christ got me free. Jesus Christ changed me. I don't desire to drink anymore. I don't desire to do drugs anymore. I don't desire to go out having sex with everybody I can find anymore. I love Jesus. And Jesus is in my heart. That's when your light's shining out there. It's easy to testify in the church. But when you're out there and you're around people that are totally, totally overcome with what was overcoming you. I was talking to Robert about something. The other, oh, yeah, I was talking to Robert about hurting people. I said, Robert, by the grace of God, we're not those people anymore. He set us free. Amen. And so, and so this is the counsel of God that shall stand. Let your light shine. And somebody thinks, well, I don't know if I got anything to shine about. As we were worshiping God, I saw, I saw a couple of examples I can give you. One of them, I remember years and years and years ago, I don't even remember where it was. I was somewhere, some state park back in Indiana, and they had a big cave with a little stream going through it, big enough for boats, little boats, rowboats. And so they had a tour guide, and you paid money, and you got the boat that took you back in the cave. He had a lantern in his boat. We got way back in the cave, and the guy turned the lantern off. Man, it was so dark. You could go like that, you couldn't even see anything. And the guy talked about how dark it was, and then he said this. He said, does anybody in the boat have a lighter, cigarette lighter? Somebody said, I do. He said, light your lighter. Man, that guy lit that lighter in that cave, and man, it looked like million-watt bulbs in there. It was so bright in that dark cave, that one little light. And then I remember another time, we were in a restaurant, one of our favorite restaurants back in central Indiana, and they have several big rooms in there, different rooms for eating, banquets and stuff like that. We were sitting there in the room, and like a lot of nice restaurants, you know, the lights aren't real bright, they're kind of dim, you know, just kind of a different kind of atmosphere. And all of a sudden, man, it looked like a blowtorch walking through the room next to us. And I asked the server, I said, what is that? He said, there's a woman over there, it's her 100th birthday, that's 100 birthday candles. And those 100 candles came through there, man, it lit up that whole building. And I think about us, and I think about that cave, that one lighter. When that darkness is so dark, one little Christian, speak it up, that's not whining, not complaining, not crying about how bad it is. Well, I think about another story. I remember I went down to see Betty Jackson, was in the hospital down at St. Mary's. And we went down to pray for Betty Jackson. And right when we were almost to the door where the desk is, all of a sudden, I thought I was in trouble. The lady jumped out, grabbed me, and pushed back, and said, no, you can't go out. I looked out and saw police cars everywhere. I thought, oh, boy, 
What's going on? What do I do? Well, she said there was a shooter out in the parking lot. And all these people that were gathered in this room where we were started pushing aside like that. And it only took me about probably 30 seconds or less. I thought, wait a minute. That's the spirit of fear. God didn't give me the spirit of fear, but part of love and a sound mind. So I stopped. And right with all those hospital fish, everybody else, I pointed outside. I said, no, you don't, Satan. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I said, spirit of murder, you are bound in Jesus' name. No policeman or anybody else is going to get killed, and neither is that guy with the gun. Well, about ten minutes later, it was all over. And I said, what happened? I said, he surrendered. One little light changed what could have been a very, very serious tragedy. Why did that happen? Because I stay close to Jesus. And because I stay close to Jesus, what's on the inside bubbles out. Amen. And so that tells you how to let your light shine. You do what you do as a good Christian. You read your Bible. You go to church. You feed more on spiritual things than you do natural things. I want to say that again. You feed more on spiritual things than you do natural things. If you feed on fearful things of the world, fear comes out when you're challenged. If you feed on the things of God, if you hang out with the people of God, if you hang out with the people of God, if you hang out with the people of God, then you start imitating the people of God. You know, I'm, I'm just, you know, just so many things you have flashbacks. I'm just getting to the glory of God. I live, you guys, team, you did a great job. You brought the glory in. Amen. As I was worshiping God, I saw myself again as a baby Christian when God sent me to the Word of Faith Church He sent me to. That laid the foundation for what I'm doing today. My pastor was a very, very vocal soul-winning pastor. If we went out to lunch somewhere, I got to go out with them and do something. He was praying for the servers. He was praying for the cooks. He was praying for the customers. And then on Sunday nights, we had testimonies. And he and the already mature believers that were there would give a testimony on Sunday night about the people that led to the Lord this week. About the sick people that prayed for this week. About the things they did this week. And I wasn't there very long. You know what I started doing? I started becoming imitators of them. Because that's what Paul said. Paul said, imitate those who walk before you as your, as your reference point, as your pattern. Do what they do. And so I started doing that. And so I brought that into the churches I go to. And the, and, the, and the churches that we lead. And so the thing is, what I'm telling you is this. If the things I'm saying sounds far out to you, what would you do in a hospital situation like that? Well, if you don't do what I told you to do, you're probably not hanging out, you're probably not hanging out with the right people. Because I know there's scores of people in this church that would have that same type testimony. They did, they did things in similar circumstances. That's called God's counsel shall stand. That we don't let darkness overwhelm us, we let our light shine. And so I want you to go to New Testament now. First Timothy chapter four, verse one and verse two. And remember this, we're talking about basic instruction before leaving earth. How many believe that when you take your last breath, it's not over, it's just beginning? You know, I, I remember when I, when I was first pastoring, one of the first, one of the first funerals that I preached, I got that revelation. I saw that dead body laying there. Of course, everybody's crying and stuff. You do. You hurt when somebody dies. Even if they're old, you still hurt. 
You don't want to see him go, but that's that's the way it works. And when I saw a body laying there, when I preached that sermon, I said, you know what? We're seeing the finish line. It was a woman, I said, but she's seeing the starting line. And you think about the 500-mile race or any racetrack you ever see a track meet, that finish line is the same starting line. You start from it, but they get back to it, it's the finish. That's the way our life is. When we take our last breath, it's over here, but just began there. We're preparing for all of eternity by the things we do. But the most important thing for us, as we already know, we're right with God and where we're going to go, is to get our loved ones, our friends, strangers. Let people know what's going on. Tell them, hey, you don't have to be deceived. These things may be very real, but Jesus is greater. And so, the counsel of God for living in the last days is what we're talking about. 1 Timothy 4, verse 1 and 2. Now, the Spirit speaketh expressly, or specifically, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. Don't be caught unawares if people you never thought, whether it's preachers or people you know, maybe somebody's led you to the Lord. Maybe somebody's led Bible studies you've been. If all of a sudden... They decide they don't want this anymore. I don't really get shocked like I used to. I mean, never like it. But I think, well, that's the way things go. Some people, if they have choices, they decide they're going to leave it. And so, depart from faith, they'll give heed to seducing or deceiving spirits and doctrines of devils. And I'm not even going to go into that, but you know, there's so many things that Christianity says is right now that's absolutely a lie. It's deceptive. People fall for it. Just like I, I think about fishing. You know, when you put a big wad of chicken liver or night crawlers on a hook and you throw it out the bottom of your lake, big old catfish down there, well, maybe not your lake, but my lake. Because you probably don't have a lake. It's kind of nice to have. But anyway, a catfish sees that bait and thinks, oh boy, it's free. How many of that word free is pretty popular in our society today? The catfish says, it's free. And it goes for it and swallows that. You've heard the expression, hook, line, and sinker. And when it bites it, it doesn't know that it didn't get a free meal. It became the free meal. And that's what those doctors and demons are doing to Christians. Everybody's doing it. Well, don't you know, we got to change now. Yeah, we got to change to be more like Jesus and the Word of God. We don't change the word of God to be more like the world. Amen. He says in the latter days, people will depart from the faith and they're going to listen to doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, have their conscience seared with a hot iron. Now, what that means is this. Christians' consciences, when you're a true born-again Christian and you're a baby Christian, all of a sudden you know that if you had wrong sexual things in your life, that this isn't right, I've got to change. If you didn't spend your money right, spend it on wrong things, all of a sudden in your heart you know, whoa, I need to manage my money different. I'm in financial trouble because of the way I've handled money. If you've had relationships that have been hurt for years between family members, maybe parents and kids, brothers and sisters, then you truly get born again in your conscience, your heart, you know, I've got to make this right. I've got to get this changed around. But if you override your conscience enough, it'll become scarred. 
to where things that used to bother you, they don't bother you anymore because you have a seared conscience. And this is the counsel of God telling us in the last days things to watch out for. Amen. Things we've got to watch out for. We've got to guard our conscience as Christians. And my observation, you know, I don't like to talk about my young age very much, but my observation back in the 1950s in a center family, hanging around center friends in the early 1960s, I, 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 I really believe that sinners live more morally right back then than a lot of church people do today. Sinners back then would not treat people like Christians treat people today. Well, Holy Spirit told us, God told us, I'll tell you what's going to happen. He said, I already know. He said, Christians are going to depart from the faith. They're going to listen to doctrines of demons. You know, the bottom line is, Jesus said, love your neighbors, you love yourself. Do unto others as you have others do unto you. And so that's what true Christians do. They don't get caught up in the hate culture. And all those things. So anyway, I'm going to, I'm going to go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. And we'll start winding it down right here. But 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 through 5. And I, I like the way Paul said that in 1 Timothy. He said the Spirit speaks specifically that in the latter times these things are going to happen. And now the same Holy Spirit through Paul in verse 1 of chapter 3 says this. This know also that the last days, how many here truly believe we are in the last days? Amen. Well, when this was written, it wasn't the last days yet. It was headed that direction, but this is 2,000 years ago. But he says, the times we live in, the last days, perilous times shall come. Wow. I'll tell you what, it's been perilous times in a lot of places in the world, but now look at America. Look at America. You don't want to go anywhere in America without knowing God sends you there. A lot of cities, a lot of cities used to be wonderful cities. You don't want to go there now because it's perilous. It said, men shall be lovers of their own selves. Covetousness, that means money hungry. Boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. Unholy, without natural affection. And you know, I never, I never thought about that phrase right there until I was looking at it a while ago. Without natural affection. And to me, that's talking about all, all, all the, uh, homosexual sin. All those things. That's not natural affection. Natural affection is a man and a woman. That's natural affection. Without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, oh boy. You know what I think the New Living Translation should say about that verse? Cancel culture. False accusers. John, you know what? I think 40 years ago you had a wrong thought about me. And so you ought to be fired. You know what? Dave, I'll bet you, I'll bet you there's been some point in time you thought the wrong thing about me. And so, you know what I'm going to do? I'm, 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 I'm going to petition. I'm going to put it on Facebook to block you off, get you canceled out, because a long time ago you had a bad thought. 
God knew about council culture a long time ago. False accusers. Is that what a false accuser is? It says false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. Despisers of those that are good. Despisers of those that are good. Melinda, I think that's terrible. You told that girl she ought to have her baby. I think that's just terrible. We will get you fired over there where you work at because that's not right. You saved that baby's life. How many think it's a good thing to save little babies? Amen. You know, I'm looking at the times we're living in. All I'm doing is look at the Bible. God said, I can tell you what's coming before it happens. And then God said, I'll give you my counsel that will stand show you how to get through it. And then he said, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures, lovers of pleasures, lovers of pleasures, Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. That tells me that God says we can have a pleasurable life, but don't let that pleasurable life steal our love for God. And then verse 5, having a a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, my counsel shall stand from such turn away. From such turn away. And I like this in the NLT Pastor Dave's translation says they will act religious, but they'll reject the power that can make them godly. They'll act religious, but they'll reject the power that can make them godly. Stay away from people like that. Said stay away from people like that. God said stay away from people like that. Somebody said that's mean. Is God mean? God wants to protect you. God wants to protect your faith. God's counsel says, don't make it your habit to hang out with religious phonies. How to, how, how to live in the last days? God said, don't make it your habit to hang out with religious phonies. You can help sincere, now listen to this, you can help sincere people that are teachable and want real Bible truth. But religious phonies, you can't help them. And the reason being, because they're so religiously brainwashed and overcome by false religious beliefs that all their, all their goal is, whether with you, is not to see what you've got to say, but try to suck your faith out and change you. Somebody, somebody asked me the other day, some, I forget who, oh, the prayer be. Somebody said, Pastor, did you come to the Bible Belt? I said, the Bible Belt's not all you think it is. I had people that come to my church and challenge me because when I baptized new converts in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, they wanted to tell the community I was a cult leader because I didn't baptize the way they wanted me to baptize. I had people that came there and tried to disrupt my church services because we had strained instruments, because we had guitars and a piano, and they said that was totally, totally, totally anti-God. It wasn't right. I wasn't going to change those people. They didn't come to my church to try to hear the Word of God. They came there. And so you know what I did? From such, I stay away. Because if they really want help, if people really want to change and be helped in life, they're going to hear what the Bible has to say. And so why should I 
as a believer or a preacher hang out with somebody that wants nothing to do with what I've got and their whole goal is to convert me to head the wrong direction. And so why should I do that? So I'm telling you right now, basic instruction for the last days, guard who you hang out with. That's God's counsel. And then the, the last scripture that I'm going to read is from 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12 in the NLT. We're just there. But 1 Timothy 4.12 says this, and this is God's counsel for all believers in 2021. Now get this. God says, for you as a believer, in 2021, where we're living, God says, be an example. Be an example to all believers. In what you say, in the way you live, in your love walk, your faith, and your purity. That's what you're supposed to do. That's what you're supposed to do. If God has you in the political arena, be an example in the political arena. Wherever God has you working at, wherever God has you living at, whoever it is in your family you hang out with, God says be an example. When the darkness shines, let your light shine brighter. And so we are carriers of a reflection of the glory of God. We're carriers. We're a reflection of the glory of God. Arise, shine. Let the glory be seen on you. And that's God's counsel for us in the last days. He knew it was coming. He told us in the Old Testament. Tells in the New Testament. It's going to get grossly dark out there. But said you're brighter. Amen. So let's live that way. Pastor Dave. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org. 